0: Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. So today I am not preaching on the Book of Matthew. We're gonna take a short break on it. Uh, They were very generous to say I can preach whenever I want. And so I decided to talk about family discipleship because this is probably the biggest thing on my heart. And um, so, I'll be mostly talking to parents today, but I want to encourage you, if you're not a parent, I think there's some relational stuff you can take out of this and apply into your life as well. But we're going to start in the book of 2 Kings and the story of Naaman. This is one of my favorite stories of the Bible. And to quickly uh, sum this up, Naaman was a commander of an army. He was a great man, and he was highly regarded, and the Lord gave him many victories and given him favor. But he had leprosy. So There was a young girl from Israel who served uh, his wife, and she said, hey, I know this guy. You should go see him, and you'll get healed from leprosy. So Naaman went. But I'm guessing on the way there, again, he's a commander. He's a great man. He probably had a plan in his head of how this will go, right? So I'm guessing uh, he—you can see in Scripture, too, he brought a lot of gold and silver and clothing with him. And I'm guessing he thought it would go something like this. He'll show up. Elijah comes out wave his hand over him, pray over him, call upon the Lord, and he's healed. And he'll give him all the gold and silver. Life is grand. Let's see what happens. Verse 9 in 2 Kings 5. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him with his message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you'll be healed of your leprosy. Huh. So maybe not exactly as planned, but let's see how Naaman responds. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought surely he would come out and meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over my leprosy and call the name of his Lord his God to heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, Abana, and Farpar better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away in rage. So why did Naaman turn away in rage? It didn't go as planned. He had an idea in his head and it did not go his way. But God. But his officers tried to reason with him and to him and said, Sir, if a prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Now pay attention to this part. So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, Go, wash, and be cured. So Naaman went out to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to him and the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know there is no other God in the world except in Israel. So, why this story? What's this going to do with parenting? How many of you believe that life is complicated, especially now? Good, okay, I'm not the only one. Who of you here who our parents think the parenting is complicated right now? Raise your hand. Good, okay, I'm not the only one, again. But you know, life is complicated, and because it's complicated, we look for complex answers. I don't think it's actually always the case. Same with Naaman, he had a complex issue, and he was looking for a complex answer. And in the end, it was actually quite simple. And I think we miss... God in the simplicity of what's in front of us because we try to overcomplicate or look for complex answers. The story reminds me of two foundational components I think that we need to look back and reflect on, and that is simplicity and obedience. So, And we see this across Scripture as well, even when Jesus told His disciples, stay up with me and pray. It's not complex. Stay up and pray. And Scripture is full of truths and examples where we can see God, uh, God working in our lives. But you know what? When it comes to parenting, I kind of found Scripture a little bit lacking for the moment I need Jesus to speak to right now, in this moment, what I need to do. For example, Proverbs, Proverbs twenty-two-six says, "'Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it.'" Okay, what do I train my child in? And how do I do this? And what should I instruct him in? I don't want him to depart from this, right? So I've been looking through Scripture, and I think we need to go back. And in Deuteronomy 6, I think we can find a part of our answer on how to disciple. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. This is what family discipleship, I believe, is all about. It's about simply obeying what God has already laid out in front of us from a very start. And you know what? Just like Naaman, who had to see the simplicity of God's command and obey. So where do we start? This starts with simplicity in our lives. And I think that simplicity comes down to our relationship with Jesus and what that looks like. And you know what? I think that's a daily thing that we need to do with Jesus, is daily spend time with Him. And you might go, really? Daily? Isn't that legalistic? Should we really have been doing it every day? You know what, and I'm going to I'll come from at this point, and I'll ask you this. I showed you my family earlier on, right? Who do you guys think, looking at my life, what's the most important relationship as a family pastor and as a husband I need to have in my life? What's the most important one? Jesus, God, you're absolutely right. What's the second most important one? My wife, two for two. What do you think is the third most important one? My kids, you guys are absolutely right. So let me illustrate this for you. I don't look at Andrea and say, okay, it is almost 9 a.m., so let's see, three, two, one, go, let's build a relationship. (laughs) Do you guys do that? Don't, it doesn't work, okay? How do I build a relationship with Andrea? I do it in a moment. Do I make time for her sometimes? Absolutely. We both have busy lives, and we do schedule time for one another. But you know what? It's the small moments in between. It's the moment where I'm sitting at work, and I think of her, and I shoot her a quick text. It's the moment where she maybe at work is having a difficult time, and she calls me up, and I can encourage her in something. or well, vice versa. It is the small moments in between where we can reach out to one another. And you know what? Sometimes our conversations are short. Sometimes they are long. I talk a lot, so yes, sometimes they are long. But sometimes in the different seasons, when we have a baby, for example, we don't talk that much because we're sleeping, right? There's seasons of this. So why is this any different with God? Why do we put God in one box and say, God, this is your time and nowhere else? Why don't we, through the day, pursue God in the small moments? And why sometimes are we thankful our devotions is done so we don't have to think about it again? I'm going to go to some scripture, Philippians 3.8. Indeed, I count everything as loss, because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For the sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I have now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me. John 3.30, he, mu- he must increase and I must decrease. John 15.5, Candy, I appreciate you used this today. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. First Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful. For whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I just want to read it again. God is faithful for whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We are called into fellowship with Jesus. What an honor we have to do this with him. And you know what? Above that, too, he's not even saying you have to do it at this time and only in this way. He's open. He says, anytime come to me, I am here. And come just as you are. And you know what? I love finding a cool spot to do my devotions with Jesus. And Angus Bouchon from South Africa, he talks about, he goes to his green cathedral to meet with Jesus. Do you know what his green cathedral is? It's a cornfield. He goes and lays in a cornfield and reads his Bible and spends time with God. And for myself, I love being in nature. I love spending time with Jesus in nature, by a fireplace or whatever. And I'm asking you, do you have a spot where you can meet with Jesus? Do I make a fire every time I meet with God? No, most of the time it's on my couch. But for those special moments, I can go and make a fire and say, Jesus, what do you want to do today? So, when it comes to devotions and spending time with Jesus, I know it looks different for all of us. We all have different personalities and all our relationships look different because I love it that God did not use a cookie cutter when He made us, where each one of us is unique. And getting into our devotions, I think they'll look unique as well. But I think all of us need five things when it comes to devotions. One, you need time. Right? That's easy. Two, you need your Bible. Three, a journal. Four, a pen. Pretty easy for far you guys know this. But the fifth one I want to talk about is we need an open heart. We need an open heart to come to Jesus. See, here's the other thing as well, if I relate this back to me and Andrea's relationship. I don't come to Andrea and say, this is how the conversation will go. I don't dictate, I don't command how it should go. I go with open hands, not literally, but I go to her and ask her about her day. And we have communication back and forth. And again, I will ask this question, why is it any different with God? So when I go to Jesus now in my devotions, I try to do something simple. I said, Holy Spirit, I invite you here. What do you want to do tonight? And you know what? Sometimes God says, let's go for a walk. I love going for walks. I love meeting Jesus there and loving and praying and walking. Sometimes Jesus would say, why don't you just think about this attribute and sit with me? I love doing that too. Sometimes he'll ask me to be quiet. That's hard. But other times, and most of the time, you know what? Nothing comes to mind. And then I have my Bible, I have my reading plan, and I go in it and I journal. And it works very, very well. I'm going to tell you a story. One time I was sitting there, and was upstairs in the evening, and I do my devotions on a couch there. And um, all of a sudden, time, I sit down, I get my stuff ready, and I go, Jesus, what do you want to do tonight? And Lego came to mind. I like Lego, okay? I'm like, oh, I'm distracted tonight. So I get up, and I pace up and down a little bit, you know, and I come back down. I quiet myself. I sit down. Okay, Jesus, I'm ready. What do you want to do tonight? Lego. Lego. Like, oh, I can't stop thinking of Lego tonight. This is going to be a tough one. So I get up again. I put on some uh, Chris Tomlin music, and I sing a little bit quietly. My kids are sleeping. And afterwards, I sit down again. I take a couple of deep breaths. Okay, Jesus, what do you want to do tonight? Lego. Fine. And I shut my Bible. I was a little bit angry. I want to spend time with Jesus, and he doesn't want to spend time with me. I go downstairs in my Lego room, and yes, I have a Lego room. Sorry, um, don't think less of me. And I get down there, and I dump a bucket of Lego, because clearly this is on my mind, I'm going to play Lego now. I'll show Jesus. And as I'm sitting there playing, I have a lot of Batman stuff, and Batmobiles, and Batplanes, and a Batcave, and I build a Batmobile. And as I sit down, I grab some pieces, and already when I start building it, see, Batmobiles all look the same. They only look a bit black and long, and that's about it. This one, I start building, and it was different. And I saw a spaceship canopy, and I put it on, and I saw some bigger tires, and I put those on. And as I'm building this, it was completely different than anything else I've ever built. And it came pretty quickly, too. I basically picked up pieces and just started building. And when I was done, I looked at this, and I asked a question. Jesus, are you here? And then I thought to myself, that's a silly question. He's always here. He'll never leave or forsake me. This is a real question. Jesus, did you just play Lego with me? I didn't get a yes or a no, but I felt a peace and a joy overcome my heart I have never felt before. And I started sobbing, and I started crying in the moment, and my Batmobile was covered in tears. And I sat there, and I'm like, Lord, why? Why this tonight? Why not devotions? And he says, tonight, I want to take joy, and what do you take joy in? And I wanted to join you in something you have fun in. And I'm like, Lord, this feels incredible. I love having you here. And he says, how do you think I feel when you approach my throne room every day and you come to me as you are? How do you think I feel? I love and treasure those moments. And you know what? That changed the way I approach my devotions every time. God is excited when you approach his throne room. You might feel sinful or dirty. God does not care in a moment. He says, come to me as you are. You can confess the sin, and we can move on from there. So I want to encourage you with that. Approach God's throne room just as you are. But wait. You said this message about family discipleship. What's going on? Well, it's my first time, so forgive me. Um, No, you know what? We all know what to do. We all know about devotions, right? It's so simple. But we don't do it. We don't do it because clearly this cannot help me. But you know what, I want to encourage you, once we can do the devotional part, the simplicity of spending time with Jesus, and yes, sometimes it's shorter and sometimes it's longer, but daily saying, Lord, I surrender to you. What do you want to speak to me? And once we do this often enough, the next step becomes a lot easier, which is obedience. The next part of Deuteronomy talks about teach them diligently to your children. But how? How do we do that? Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. I bring this up because we have to remember something. Children are a gift from the Lord, and we are stewards of our children. We are not owners of our children. We do not own them. We are simply given a time to parent them diligently. And I think most of you know this, but we are at a war right now for our children's souls. There is so much going on into our world right now and we are fighting for their souls to see who has more influence in their lives, God's truth or the world. I think many of you have heard this quote, and um, you've probably heard it from me quite a bit too. I've used it in my office. The best gift you can give your kids is a good marriage. And I just want to say something here. I was wrong saying that. And I am sorry. Recently, God has kind of put this on my heart. And I do not believe that a good marriage is the best gift you can give your kids. I believe the best gift you can give your kids is a legacy of Jesus. It does not matter if you're a single parent. It doesn't matter if you have an unequally yoked marriage. It Actually, doesn't matter if you have a great marriage. What matters is, do you leave a legacy of Jesus for your children one day? And you know what? And we do that when we see it in us. Do we leave that legacy for them when something is hard and there's conflict, do we just push our kids aside? Or do we try and solve this with Jesus and let them see us going to Jesus' feet? When there's somebody in need, do they see us reach out to them or do they see us just walk away? What kind of legacy are we leaving for our children? Because that speaks of a world of worth. And I think we can bring this back to an ancient African proverb, monkey see, monkey do. We'll make it more modernized for you, advanced people here in Canada, and we'll use an old model called I do, we do, you do. Can you all say that? I do, we do, you do. So, what does that look like? I do. Actually, half of the I do's I've already spoken to you about. Spending that quality time with Jesus daily, seeking Him and seeking His wisdom. And you know what? There's a second part that we can go to with this. Prayer. Prayer is something else too. We think, why do I pray? Why do I just say something? Does it even do anything? Do I just leave it up there? No. Pastor Stephan and Pastor I said this many times, and I will repeat this. Not everything is about prayer, but everything should come out of prayer. Prayer goes where I cannot go. Prayer activates the supernatural when I can't do something in the physical. Philippians 4, 7 says, "'Do not be anxious about anything, "'but in every situation, by prayer and petition, "'with thanksgiving, present your request to God.'" Prayer motivates us and drives us, and prayer gives us wisdom. But you might ask, how? How do I do this with my kids? How do I pray for my family? I don't have time. I don't know how to do it. And that's okay. Starting soon, um, I think it's going to start October 5th, Bonnie Coop is going to lead a prayer group for moms and grandmothers. We're going to do this weekday mornings, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings, 6.30 through 7 a.m. on Zoom. And she's going to lead you in prayer. You're going to pray for your family. You're going to pray for your kids. And I want to invite any grandmother and mom who wants to join, just come join us. It's on the website, or you can email me. We'll gladly get you signed up. But we're starting a second one, too, for foster and adoptive moms and grandmothers. If you want to pray for your kids too, if some sometimes have more unique prayer requests, Julie Workington is leading one as well on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 to 7 a.m. And I want to invite you to join us there. And guys, you're not off the hook. Come Saturday mornings, we will pray for our families and we will war for our families what's going on. So, something else to a lot of people do is reading books. And reading books are great. I read lots of parenting books. But I just want to give a caution with reading books, and that is, do we raise the value and the wisdom in the book above what God has given us? Do we let that wisdom supersede what God has given us? And I'll give you an example. Maybe I'm the only one who struggles with this. But one morning, I was there with Isabel, and I asked her to do something for me. And she did it, and she came back, and I was going to reward her with something. But then I remembered, I read in a book, ooh, reward-based parenting is bad, so I will not reward her. Maybe I should give her a cookie. Uh, that will cause an eating disorder. I read in another book. What should I do now? And I'm just thinking about all these things in my head. And I'm like, man, am I causing insecurity right now? her? No, because I'm not responding to her. And she's just standing there looking at these big eyes, you know, after she did this amazing thing for me. And finally, Matthew 7-11 came to mind. Who would give good gifts to the kids? And I just sat there. I'm like, oh, Lord, that is so easy. It is so simple. So I gave her a piece of gum, and she looked at me. Thanks, Daddy. And she ran off. Sometimes we overcomplicate with books. And don't get me wrong, I read lots of kids' books. I read well, lots of kids' books, but books about parenting as well. And there's gold in it, and we're going to use it too, okay? Yes, I read comics. Don't judge. Anyway, we do. How do we do what we do? And this is the most important part. This is how we do the day-to-day for, with our kids, looking for opportunities to do the day-to-day. Getting back to Deuteronomy 6 verse 7, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk with them when you sit in your house, you shall when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Notice scripture is not just saying some of the time. It's actually quite specific and I really like this. So when we sit down with our kids on the couch, we have an opportunity. Or when we walk to the park, we have an opportunity. Or when they go to bed, we have an opportunity. Or when they rise up in the mornings, guess what? We have an opportunity. And Ephesians 5.16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I think this is a very appropriate verse for a time like this we're in. The days are evil. We need to redeem every single moment we can. And again, remember that sometimes we overcomplicate things like Naaman, but this is the exciting part about we do. It's simple. We do means we love Jesus and each other unconditionally. We do means we rely on God to fill us with joy instead of looking for a quick fix in the world. We do means we demonstrate God's peace that resides in our hearts through the tough times. We do means we practice patience when our kids do something uh, not right and we get frustrated. We do means we show kindness at family gatherings when somebody annoys us. We do means we show goodness to demonstrate Christ's love for those around us. We do means being faithful. Let our yes be yes and our no be no and stick to your promises. We do means gentleness. When they spill the milk, don't get frustrated and yell at them. We do means self-control. Putting away your device and actually paying attention to your kids. Thankfully, all these things that we do is caught more than it is taught. Yes, we teach our kids many things but they look at us and they catch more than we teach them. So, this is good news, because this is easy. We live it, and we live it day by day. And this comes down to the good, the bad, and all the faults in between. So, leaving a legacy for Jesus and our kids is simply us as parents living out the fruit of the Spirit. Simple, yes. Easy, not a chance. But it's being real, and not striving for perfection. We do, and leaving a legacy for Jesus ultimately comes down to what we choose. We can choose to be comfortable, or we can choose to build character in that moment. And I wanna encourage you, I love being comfortable. I do not like working my character and building character. But you know what? When I see my children, when there's a moment and they choose to build character instead of just being comfortable in the moment and avoiding it, I have such pride in them and saying like, man, look at what I've done. And I can only imagine when Jesus looks at us and saying, well done. Building character instead of being comfortable. But you know what? I know this seems like a lot, and a lot of you might feel guilty. Did I miss it? Am I too old? My kids have moved out. Is it too far along? And I just want to say, with Jesus, everything is possible. So many times we feel over our heads with parenting, and it should be that way. I don't know about you, but many times I've gone back and said, Lord, I wish I had the wisdom now I had when I had my kids in the beginning. But you know what? I gained that wisdom by going through the difficult times, by being awestruck, and, Lord, what do I do next? And coming before him and saying, Jesus, help. And I gained that wisdom. So I want to encourage you with a couple of things. Take victory in the small things. When you go to bed at night and you put your kids down and you pray with them, excellent. That is an amazing thing you can do with them. When you go at the supper table and you pray for your food, excellent. Keep doing that. Take victory in the small things. And you know the other good thing is about building a legacy? You don't have to do it in one day. This is years of building. You do a little bit every single day. If you can even decide, man, one area I can build a legacy into my child today. By the end of the year, you did 365. How incredible is that? You don't have to do it even every day. But I want to encourage you that you build a legacy in your children as often as you can with every opportunity that God gives you. But most importantly, leaving a legacy for our children means that neither TV, books, schools, or actually even us, the church, is the primary influence for our kids. See, I know this doesn't make sense, right? How can us, the church, not be the primary spiritual influence? We cannot do the day-to-day with your kids. I have an awesome team, but we cannot go do the day-to-day with your kids. You are there, and you can do the day-to-day with them. We the church want to encourage you, help you, and affirm you. And yes, we will leave a legacy. When they come to camp, when they come to kids' church and stuff, we will leave a legacy with them. But the biggest legacy they will get is from you, the parent. And we want to equip you, and we want to help you and how to do this and going forward. And I know a lot of this might seem overwhelming, saying, how do I do this? How do we move forward? I don't know how to leave a legacy. How do I redeem these moments? You're not alone. There's lots of people who feel that way. And I want to say this again. We want to help you in doing this. So this is what we're going to do. Starting October 13th, uh, my family and my family team, ministry team will be here. We're going to do something called family nights. And it's going to be an hour long, we're going to do it once a month, the second Wednesday of every month. And what we're going to do is, you're going to bring your kids, you can come as a family, and yes, you can drop your kids off for 15 minutes. And Nick and Brock, they're going to play with the kids and get some energy out of them. And me and Andrew will address you as parents what we're going to do that night. Then we're going to spend some time. The kids will come back. And Tina Cole and her family said they'll do some worship for us. And we're going to worship together with our kids. I think it's so important that kids see us as parents engage with worship with God and us seeing them engage in worship. And when it be chaotic? Absolutely. Bring it on. It's going to be fun. And then after that, we want to disciple you and the children together. We want to talk about basic stuff, basic things we need to be doing in our lives, teach you how to do the we-do's, and we want to finish the night with prayer. Because so many parents have come to me and saying, how do I pray with my kids? I have no idea how to do this, and that's okay. I had a tough time with that as well. But we will teach you on these evenings how to do that, how to sit down and pray with your children. So I would encourage you to go sign up at familiesinmyselfline.com just so to have a rough idea of how many people are going to be here but we are looking forward to do this with you. So, I think, with all this stuff going on, do I have all the answers? No. My wife does. Just call her. She will tell you anything you need to know, and she's always right. (laughs) But I believe if we first see God's kingdom, He will show us the way and how to do this. So if you'll be patient with us, we want to do this with you. And again, this is not a guilt trip. I hope to encourage you on the next steps of what we can do together as a church and as a family. See I believe deep down in my heart that most of us don't need complex strategies. We don't need anything major what to do next. I think most of us simply need a better relationship with Jesus. So I want to ask you, the choice is yours, it's yes or no. Will you join me, and like Naaman, to simply see and obey and go down to the river? So. The last step, you do. Nothing much you need to do there. That's hands off. You can just watch your kids from a distance as they go on and they leave legacies for others. But you still keep praying for them. You still be part of their lives, and you still be that uh, that parent for them. So we can't go on here talking about prayer and leaving a legacy if we don't pray ourselves. So I would like you to join me in listening prayer. And it's a simple question. Lord, what is my next step in leaving a legacy to those around me? This can be to your kids, and this can be to somebody else. So, I'll pray for you and we'll listen, and then the worship team can play a song for us. Holy Spirit, we come to you just as we are. And I ask, can you make us conduits for your presence? Conduits for your presence, for your love and the fruit of the Spirit to be instilled in our children. I wanna ask this question our Lord. What is our next step in leaving a legacy for Jesus to those around me? Can you please show us where it is in a word, a forward, a picture, as we sit here quietly and let you speak to us, Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204-326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com.